ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 122 of the MTB podcast, presented and hosted by Worldwide Cyclery. I am Jared. I am Jeff. And I am Liam. And in this episode, we are going to break things out into nice little digestible segments. Thanks to some feedback from our friend, Josh Saunders. Yeah. He's the man. And uh, we uh, we took some feedback from him about kind of chunking it in different segments and doing segments each episode. We're always open to feedback. We want to make this podcast really good. So if you have any feedback, good or bad, feel free to email it to podcast at worldwidecyclery.com. And Jared will read it and he'll either be happy or (laughs) offended. Um, and I or, may pass or on the- <laughs> oftentimes perplexed is is the look on his face when he reads the podcast emails. Yeah. I do love the emails though, so I really enjoy he, you guys sending those. Could, loves- could you call this podcast a little chunky? Oh, a little chunky. Mount, Mount, Mount should do that. Podcast yeah. chunky edition. The first chunk I will remind people some of the original ethos of this podcast. It's to uh, keep it PG thirteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never use any foul language. There may be some innu- there may be some innuendos, but we keep it PG so you can listen to it with your children around. And uh, what else do we do? We want to entertain and inform. We want to entertain and inform fellow Educate mountain bikers. Just and, first day. <laughs> what are we doing? What You're are we the doing? one who started it. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me, man. Well, technically, it was Jonathan and Stephen that started right, it, and right. then and then we took it over from them when uh, that's true. Life life had their way with them and. Uh, they're, still, they're still alive. Yeah, they're still alive. <laughs> I meant, that was so I meant like they're doing uh, all right. They're just I meant busy. Like, <laughs> like marriages and children. Yeah, and life caught up with them. Life caught up oh, with them. Yeah. yeah, life had their way with them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> in a good way. They're oh, both yeah. doing great. We should have those guys we back should. on the podcast one <laughs> of these days. People do email in uh, every once in a while and ask uh, for the real OG listeners, the super OG yeah. listeners, pre episode seventy or something. We'll remember that the first seventy, which is a lot of episodes, was Jonathan. Steven. So wow. thank you to those two guys. That's crazy. We've done almost and as many as they have now. Yep. We're coming up on it. We're catching you guys. So speaking of our segments, yes. uh, the topics we're going to discuss, the yes. first the first segment is called topics. Does that make any sense? Uh, segment, yes. A segment it's, is it's topics. More like, topics uh, you know, what do they call index? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Glossary. In a book. Uh, no, that's not it. Glossary is not the index or the glossary. <laughs> I don't know the the first, The first topic... <laughs> First topic is how we're not that on topic. No. First topic is about Liam's trip to the Snowshoe Mountain Bike World Cup. He's going to give us a little recap of what it was like and highlights. Then we're going to talk about Jared's recent trail run race. Trail run race. I guess you want to talk about it because you wrote that. It's something I did, so. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> uh, new zip wheels. So zip, which if you're a mountain biker, you're probably not super familiar with because they're more of a road brand, but they're owned by SRAM and, uh, they make mountain bike wheels, the three zero moto, and they have some new wheels that were just introduced. The one zero high tops, the mm. one zero high tops, high tops or hit tops, mm. high, to- high, top. high tops, high top. Hit it's top? like capital H I capital T O P, right? Mm-hmm. Capital. Mm-hmm. They, like, they like I to don't. mess with the caps with oh, they're really playing around with the caps yeah, yeah. um and then uh then some fun segments zach's words of wisdom that's a new segment that you'll be hearing every episode yeah as well as i don't know if he's aware fact. of it but it is a new segment oh. <laughs> you didn't even ask him no, i didn't ask him this is just one of his best quotes that i love he, he says so it every day so. he does he says it all the time which is a great segue Hit make it. it a great day or not the choice is yours he does say that every day. He does say that a lot. So Zach, also known as Weaver, 
Uh, he works in our California store. And if you want to get to know him more, we made a little documentary-esque fun video about the Breck Epic mountain bike race that Liam and Weaver and Dom all did. That was last year? Yeah. yeah. 2022. Yeah. Um, big five-day mountain bike race in Breckenridge, Colorado. We made a little YouTube video about it. Weaver's one of the highlights, and it's a very comical YouTube video of ours. So if you're curious, um, is basically myself and Jared uh, were – what, what are we called? Like deck hands on that one. We, <laughs> we did, we did something, but it was mostly yeah. Louie. Yeah. Uh, we prefaced that one. It might be a touch over PG 13. I think it was pretty PG 13. No, no. All it? our YouTube channel yeah. still is no, no profanity right. or nothing. So yeah. that one's there's, there's certainly some innuendos in that one or some illustrious I, content. I think but, I cussed in it. Um, we bleeped it out then. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that was produced by uh, your man, Louie, who's also running this camera and all these microphones right now. He's the man. He chopped that baby up. It's actually a really fun it's video. It's a great piece of work. It's a really cool it's piece of work. It's one of my favorite videos we've ever done. I, I completely agree, and a lot of people say that. It's funny because we that video, it's not the normal type of content we produce. We normally produce more educational mountain bike content. So YouTube's kind of used to seeing that, and our audience is used to seeing that. So if we do anything sort of off the cusp of that, uh, you, the YouTube algorithm doesn't really promote or favor it very well. Um, so it doesn't get as many views, but it's also a lot more loved. And like you read the comments and people are pumped on it. So yeah, if you want to get to know Weaver better and also see all of us at a mountain bike race in Colorado and it's the ones goofing uh, around. people it's remember, yeah. it's like the $50 bike race. Yeah. Yeah. It's like people the $50 bike the race. Wing race. Yeah. Yeah. For years I would run into people and they would bring up the $50 mountain bike race. Yeah. Like, that was my favorite video. They still do. And I was yeah. like, well, we have a video about some linkage suspension fork with a million views and that one has 30,000, but people just love to tell me about how much <laughs> I love that video, but that's, that's video. how the YouTube algorithm works. So, yeah. Anyways, well, speaking that's... of which, should we jump into the fun fact? This is a great one. Fun fact, man, hit it. All right, the Alaskan town of Talkeetna, I hope I didn't butcher that, has had a cat as a mayor for the last twenty-five years. Mayor Stubbs served uh, Stubbs, the cat is the name, served for twenty years until he passed in twenty seventeen, and then a cat named Denali succeeded Mayor Stubbs and is still the unofficial mayor of Talkeetna unofficial because the town is unincorporated and it's not really an official position. <laughs> That's a kind of long fun fact for the day. That's a great fun fact. Yeah. Uh, well, let's move to some mountain bike news. There you go. Instead of talking about cats. I know you love cats. Well, you know, Bean will come around later. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Liam, you were just in West Virginia watching the, yeah. the only mountain bike world cup on us soil this year. Correct. Uh, there's usually only one. Yeah. That's, that's in the U.S. Yeah. And they're uh, uncertain where it's going to be next year. Oh, really? Yeah. It's always changing. So what was there? There was the, the cross country and the downhill? Correct. Was it short track? Yep. Short track short always. Track there, so yeah. short, short tracks on Friday. Junior downhills on Friday. Uh, downhill elite is on Saturday. And then XCO, which is a long Olympic length cross country, is on Sunday. Hmm. Did you watch every single event? No. No? No. <laughs> um... <laughs> Did you I get watched, to see cross country? I watched the end of the female short track, most of the male short track. Um didn't we did not get there in time for junior uh downhill racing. Got there, like literally like we were driving by as like Ryan Pinkerton was dropping in. Um so didn't get to watch that. And then uh we took off on Sunday, I think while the women's race was going on. So, yeah, didn't watch any of that. Watched all the downhill. 
All the downhill. All the downhill. That nice. is incredible to spectate a downhill World Cup. Yeah. I had never been to a World Cup. Um, been a lot of bike races and like motocross races, a lot of outdoor motocross races, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, is similar. But yeah, it doesn't, the fans still are <laughs> over the top at Snowshoe. Um, people say they're some of the best fans on yeah. the World Cup circuit and they cer- like certainly delivered. It was a rowdy, wild time. A lot of partying, a lot of costumes. Yeah, I had um, a few. So I went there last year, and there was also a lot of costumes. And it almost, I had this feeling that people would kind of were pre-testing their Halloween costumes. It's, it's kind of close. Like it's you're close. already thinking about costumes. You I know? mean, if you're, if you're those kind of, you're the kind of person who always wears a costume on Halloween and yeah. you love it. Come a World Cup where people wear costumes. It's September. You're like, yeah, I'm putting on yeah. my costume. Yeah, true. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was really fun though to watch. The racing was insane. So the tr- it rained like the whole week leading up to it, and then it was pretty good for the weekend so the conditions actually got better but man was qualifying and even the early runs and everything was crazy a lot of people crashing looked gnarly um like, handful of injuries dangerous and stuff that track is so hard to ride it's like three minute rock garden yeah um but yeah it was it was a good time it was fun i'm glad i went it's cool to hang out with nico and everything he's got going on with frameworks and all that um, chat some guys at some other companies and stuff. So yeah, it was cool. And it, for me, it's like a central location, like kind of, it's almost like a mini Sea Otter in a way. Mm-hmm. Like there's a bunch of people there that like can talk to industry wise and it's a central industry location. Folks. Yeah. Industry folks. So folks. Yeah. It was definitely fun. It was, uh, West Virginia is a wild place. That's it's not place. easy to get to. Yeah. That mountain is kind of, kind of a ways out there. Yeah. But yeah, the, the track is gnarly. There was quite a bit of flat tires. Yeah. Like, seemingly more so than most downhill World Cups. Um, definitely more than some that. tracks. I, not. I think there's a lot of flats at like Fort William um, and a few others. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was, uh, there's a lot of flats, a lot of crashes. Bruni crashed right in front of us. Nice. Uh, went down that actually happened pretty hard. last year at Snowshoe. He, Bruni crashed right at right in front in, of my feet. In his race run? No, it was in practice This was in his race run. And he oh, was... No. Uh, his last one down, so. Oh, wow. Yeah, he crashed. and Where were you for them? Uh, we were in the lower rock garden, so yeah. there's like a good like three, four foot drop kind of in the middle of the rock garden. We were mm-hmm. right around there, and yeah, we were around a group of uh, angels that were partying, and then a group of, I don't know, what female. Is that, what does that mean, angels? Like, like they're dressed up as angels. They're wearing angels. all white head to toe and okay. playing drums and cowbells and. <laughs> Halos, um, halos, yeah. yeah. And then they had the one. It was all guys, and then the one girl with them was with the devil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then what? a bunch of other like, you know, let's say a little bit uh, older ladies in red. I don't know what they're really dressed up as, but they're all wearing red, head and toe. Huh. And they were also getting very loose and partying. Yeah. And we we're <laughs> surrounded by them, so yeah. it was a good time. Nice. Yeah. Sounds like a great time. Uh, if you haven't seen the video. Liam made a cool reel that's on oh, worldwide yeah. Instagram. Kind of gives you an idea of the vibe that was going yeah. down. I made a PG reel. Yeah. So it's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah, those those races are wild. People get so stoked and they just hike up and down the track the whole yeah. time. It's muddy, it's slippery, they're drinking, there's people going the fastest they've ever gone in the world on bikes right next to them. It's it's a pretty crazy scene. So if you ever get a chance to go to a mountain bike world cup. It's definitely a good time. It's awesome. I wish they had something like that out here on the West Coast one day. That would be cool if they did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Canada's trying to get one there with that new oh, 1199 track. That'd so. be sick. 
Yeah, I should Western say Canada? West. Yeah, I should yeah. say West yeah. Canada because they have BC. MSA every year. But yeah, BC at, at Whistler. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be sick. Yeah, that'd be tough for the teams though. I get it, especially if they had one on MSA. And- yeah, the majority of them are all in Europe, so it's pretty hard for them to get to the West Coast. And yeah, a lot of them had rental tents and stuff because they don't actually have pits in the U.S. So. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Sick. Well, speaking of pits, how sweaty were your pits during your trail run? <laughs> that was a Ooh. great segue. You like that? That's yeah. Dude, I was dripping. I'm sure you like, were. It looks You're like a sweaty guy. sweating right now. I know. It is hot in here. But I was literally, uh, my shorts looked like I had, you know, gone swimming. myself, gone swimming. <laughs> Would have been a better thing to say. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean did, shirt... you, did you urinate yourself during no, that? I mean, no. It was a perfect hydration strategy. It was, it was perfect. No, like I could wring out my sun hoodie and sweat would come out of it. Yeah. Like same with my shorts. I could go like this and like sweat nice. out of it. Um, 14 miles and 2,000 feet of 14. elevation? 14.2 miles and yeah, like 2,900, 2,900 feet of elevation. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was super brutal. In the um, Santa Monica Mountains. Yeah. Like in the first like, 15 or so minutes i was just thinking to myself like why the hell am i doing this yeah <laughs> and then you like, usually have that thought for a long time when yeah, you do that kind of stuff right and then like you know we got to the top of the mountain and it was beautiful and i was like oh all right i'm feeling a little better now like this is cool it made it a little more worth it you know and um yeah well for those who don't know we had a little like in-house uh competition going on mm-hmm. between me and and zach and um, and Mike B also and did Mike it. B yeah well he wasn't really in like the competition <laughs> as far as I was aware but no. yeah, it was more of a bet against you and and Weaver of yeah. who was going to yeah. run fastest yeah yeah and so, I won, so I'm pretty pretty happy Jared about went that. fastest then Mike B then Weaver yeah. yeah but it was pretty close you did 309 303 oh 303 303 and then what was Mike Mike was like 307 or 305 or something yeah. and Zach was like 323 or something yeah. well pretty close yeah. I was pretty stoked with that. Good old Santa Monica Mountain Trail Run. It's really hard. Started at five. Started right? at five, and then yeah, yeah we so were right running in the dark. Five p.m. Yeah, five yeah. p.m. So yeah. I was running in the dark for like maybe an hour or mm. so. Um, Did it feel easier in the dark besides going downhill in the terrain? Yeah, definitely. I always feel like when you do that stuff and like you get in the dark or you start in the dark, it's like time doesn't really count. Yeah, well, like it kind of zaps yeah. by. Tunnel Headlamp yeah. on, mm-hmm. just like tunnel vision, and just you know techno going in the headphones and mm. this what was your play- what was your playlist like um it was carl cox abiza dj set <laughs> just on, was it like an hour set just on repeat uh yeah i had like two of them queued up and nice. i just did like back-to-back carl cox sets nice. it was sick yeah, yeah i don't know anybody here knows about carl cox but i'm sure might. some people do yeah he's sick he's great i'm curious how many people trail runner would have ever yeah. done a trail run race but yeah, it was. It's cool to see a lot more. Really hard. I f- I feel as if in the last f- just few years, people just our staff in general has gotten into different stuff, whether that's road or gravel or running. Yeah. So it was cool. a great event. Uh, you know, really well um, put on, and like there's you know tacos and beers afterwards. So that was tacos. cool. And, um, yeah, at first I was like, why are we not doing like a mountain bike race? <laughs> like, how come we ended up at a running event? <laughs> how did that transpire? Uh, Mike signed up for it, I guess. And then, yeah. and then Zach did. And I was, and they're like, oh, you're going to do it. You're going to do yeah, it. You're going to yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah. You well, got like, peer pressured for weeks I on guess. that one. Yeah, yeah, I will. But yeah, I did it. And you know, uh, no regrets. I'm pretty stoked. I did it and like feel really good. That was the longest distance I've ever run before. Longest I ever did before. And like one go was probably like maybe 10 miles. Yeah. Um, and that was 10 years ago. So yeah. Yeah, I'm stoked. Nice. Survived. No injuries. I can still walk and run and all that. Hmm. Yeah. Should we do the the 
sub six minute mile thing again. Oh, now we'll do it. Yeah. All right. Game on. Yeah, you guys all you guys all got some base training in. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There yeah. was a there was a bet earlier this year of Jared and Weaver in the first person to run a sub six minute mile. That's what it was, right? Yeah. Bisco just a five fifty nine. Yeah. Um would get some massive prize. Yeah. And it was there's like a six month time frame and neither of them even <laughs> tried. No. I tried, <laughs> but even tried. the fastest I could put down was like a six fifty nine. You did you ran one once. Well, you did for one the time, mile. yeah. Yeah. And then I just was like, started to train, but yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> I'll do it again and then I'll, you know, and then we'll see. Then we'll see. Running the mile, the mile is such a miserable distance. I know. It's just long enough to just really be in pain. That feels like eternity. Yeah. And it has to be so high, high intensity that it's just, it's just rough. It's totally. Like, it's not short enough to just be like, I'm just going to sprint as fast as I can and call it like, it's not the quarter mile. No. And it's not like, oh, I'm doing five or 10 or 14. It's yeah. just this like horrible middle distance after probably like three quarters of a mile you're just like okay you've had enough this is it's gotta be done yeah like no you have another yeah (laughs) it's true (laughs) damn it (sighs) but yeah running it is what it is yep i don't know if i'll do maybe i'll do another one of those we'll see what you need instead of your shoes is some wheels that's right such as mountain bike zip oh zip that's right you missed yours oh you you laid it up for me just tossed it man so it. the new the new zip wheels you've been riding them quite I some time them. yep uh yeah. okay. like a cool. bit over a month give us the overview uh so zip so yeah like jeff said zip came out with the three zero moto wheels probably four years ago yeah and at the time four. it was a really unique interesting and it, and it still is wheelset. honestly yeah it is no one else has um, done the single wall rim and like that honestly if i were to run most carbon wheels for a trail or enduro bike that is what i choose to run yeah, uh, I, I think they have the best run ride alloy, qualities, hands down. They do. I, yeah, I love them. Just a little heavy. Um, so yeah. basically, those were a single wall rim that were meant to flex side to side, um, giving you some more traction Ooh, compliance. and compliance. compliance. So Zip then went to design a cross-country wheel. Couldn't make it light enough in single wall. So they it is a double wall, but it is a very shallow double wall rim, traditional double wall Um but it's quite shallow with a lot of compliance taken into mind. So the the light lightweight ones, <clears throat> the high end ones, weigh thirteen twenty five, so one thousand three hundred twenty five grams, which is quite light. Super competitive as far as like cross country wheel sets go. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the internal width on the rim? Thirty mil internal. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Are they lighter than Bird Hawk twenty sevens? I believe so. Whoa! What? Oh wait, twenty sevens. <laughs> I'm not sure, but they are lighter than the Birdhawk 30s, which would be a... Do you think the rim is more compliant and... Uh, I was going to get there. Okay, sorry. Yeah. So, um, so they are a little bit... <laughs> oh, I got this for you, Jeff. 1350 uh, grams for the Hawk 27. So they are technically lighter. Oh, mm. the touch lighter, yeah. Touch lighter. Um, so, okay. yeah, having a, a month on the zip wheels, uh, they feel kind of right in the middle of say a bird wheel because a bird's more compliant and a bit more i don't know if i want to say flexy but the spokes have a certain feel to them that kind of leads to like a little it's definitely compliance but a little also like kind of wind up i don't even know if that's the same the correct word Mm. term for the bird wheels but you feel them that you're on bird spokes on those and then on the other side of the spectrum i'd put the revolve control sls which i had on my previous ranger which are definitely way stiffer than the zips and kind of 
ping you around the trail a bit and, and don't yeah. comply nearly as much as the zips do. So, um, yeah, they, they have a really good ride quality. The hubs are good. How many engagement in the rear hub? Uh, ooh, ooh, caught me a little bit. That's a good um, question. Yes. Caught him with his pants down. Yes. I think. I, don't know, I already want them though. They're light. Yep. Yeah, they're really good. Those. They look sick. 66 oh, points sick. of engagement. Oh. That's good. Yeah, so. It's enough. It's enough. You think above 50 is good for me? It's it's uh, about the same as what a DT Swiss with a ratchet kit is, so. Those are 54, right? But Yeah. yeah close. But you're not going to feel 10, yeah. 10 points. Um, yeah, and they also come with TireWiz 2.0. Oh Which, yeah, that's that was how the old the three zero motors were, right? Yeah, you literally buy them and mm-hmm. it would include that. Yeah. Yeah. So the zip the one zero high tops have two models, the high end, which is called the one zero high top SW. Oh. Which comes with a really lightweight hub, and also comes with the tire whiz. And then they have. What does the, SW mean? Super weight weenie? Mm, maybe. I don't think they say it all. Um, what is XO and XX and XXSL? Yeah, I don't know yeah. what SRAM's doing with that. So then Any the more affordable ones are one zero high top S and those come with the uh more standard hum that comes on the three zero mono wheels. So more of like, you know, just your everyday hub. Um those weigh fourteen ninety five, so they're a bit heavier, but they have the same exact rim and spoke count. So your outer weight is all the same. Was super light. The you get the weight in the hub, mm-hmm. and those do not come with the tire whiz, so they're more affordable. Mm-hmm. And those actually aren't aren't too bad at all. It's six twenty five for a front and seven twenty five for a rear. So thirteen for the wheel. Yeah. Here's another thirteen fifty. Really retail for the for the more affordable ones. Huh. And then um, uh, other ones retail for nine twenty five for a front and one thousand twenty five for the rear. It's a pretty affordable set of carbon wheels right there for couple those. Gs, those couple G's, couple G's. Huh? Yeah. Here's a question. Do the weights include the tire whiz? I did not say. There's no way. But I did weigh them on my Why own. Why do you say that, huh? Just, There's no way? There's no way, man. Because if you're, if you're messing with the lightweight product like that, I mean, even even regular wheels aren't weighed with valve stems. Yeah. But it, mm. they don't. It's not technically the tire the same. whiz is not heavy at all. It's basically plastic with a CR2032 battery. Everything weighs something. Yeah, you're correct. <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm super stoked on those. They, uh, yeah, I got to try those. They look really good. I was really impressed. I just think they look cool. It's like a really nice rim profile, and I have a lot of faith and trust in Zip and how good their products are, and especially wheels and hubs. I had those on my new Revel Ranger V2. Yeah, and they were really good on there. Nice. Yeah, I had to to send them back. But hey, speaking of that, I want a new set. Uh, SRAM. Nice and quickly. Bikes and rides. It's this new segment. New segment. Uh, recurring new segment. Recurring new segment. <laughs> Take note. Bikes and rides we've been enjoying lately. That's right. What do you got? Um, I've been riding my hardtail. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Riding the hardtail. Um, yeah, the other day I was doing a little bit of, you know, experimentation with the tire pressure. I think I was telling Liam I ran 17 PSI in the front and 18 PSI in the rear. Didn't get a flat. Recon 2.6. Recon 2.6. Okay. Yeah, yeah, EXO. Big boys. Big boys. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Definitely, like... <laughs> Didn't, didn't feel slow or wandery. Or well, anything? not really. I mean, I was riding like, like relatively technical them? single track and like uh, some rocky stuff where I could just kind of glide over it really yeah. nicely, like flat rocky stuff, you know? Um, I definitely was pushing it a little bit and like 
you know, hit my rim at one point. And I was like, yeah. okay, that was, that was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. I was just like, it was one of those things where I was just like checking my pressure and I was like, oh, 17 and 18. Let's see how this goes. I didn't really feel like pumping it up and it was kind of nice. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Just that bike. Yeah. I, I wouldn't do that on anything else. Well, mm. to that, I've been experimenting with more tire insert and lower pressures on the XC bike. Mm-hmm. And not on the zips because I wanted to ride those as is, but on my bird wheels, I have a Recon 2.4 front, Icon 2.3.5 rear with tubo light inserts, which I don't think we have on the site, but oh, I'm those test- are those testing them. blue ones, the right? The blue ones, super light, 55 grams as well. Same as a Vittoria airliner, but a little bit more dense. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm running 19.21 PSI. Nice. 19 front, 21 rear, quite low with the inserts, and they felt really good. Hmm. feels good with those like short knob tires, you know, yeah, like recon or something. You do have to change your riding style. You can't like push in the corners and yeah, pump see, as I much. Yeah, I can never ride um, that it's all about, roll It's all about tire. holding momentum and just gliding over stuff yeah. uh, and gliding through corners. So, Speaking of cool bikes that you've ridden, you were just telling me uh, you got to ride Nico's prototype frameworks enduro bike. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. cool. They've, um, they've made a whole article about that on Pink Bike, right? Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people have been riding it um, outside of you know Nico and Asa and Logan. Um, but yeah, it was cool. I hopped on it and a bunch of prototype Fox stuff. So of course, it feels amazing. And, yeah. Um, and prototype wheels and everything. But yeah, I, I rode it and I was like, whoa! I like instantly like f- immediately popped it up for a manual, held a manual for like 30, 40 feet, and then like rode some other little areas and I was like this thing feels really good so I think they are working their way to selling both the downhill frame which is first and then enduro frame after which will be next year no clue how they're going to go about that and if we're going to be involved at all but it's yeah. cool and it, cool. I, and it felt really good right off the bat and I was like wow this thing like set up right can basically you know do everything pedal up and ride downhill trails so mm-hmm. that's cool it's yeah. a lot to say for like his first iteration, basically of an enduro bike, right? I mean, yeah, he knows I mean, what he's doing. He, he learned what he's doing, and he learned a lot from the downhill bike as far as manufacturing yeah, techniques go. For and, sure. Um, Speaking all that, of that, so. uh, in the show notes, Jared is going to put the link to Nico's YouTube channel because he's got an entire YouTube channel that documents his entire process of creating these bikes and riding and racing these bikes and having other people ride and race them, which is really cool. So if you're into bike nerdage, it is the pinnacle of it. Um, also maybe drop the link to the pink bike article that talks about that prototype enduro bike because the geo and the pictures and everything are pretty intriguing. It's definitely yep. different. So, there yeah. you go. all right, cool. Well, the only thing I got, um, I'm just, uh, per usual, obviously, you know, got back on the rebel ranger after riding the enduro bike a whole bunch. I literally, I think only rode once since I've been back from Italy, mm. but it was cool. My, a really close friend of mine from Canada was in town and him and I have ridden a number of times, but never got to ride on my home trails. So it was cool to have him out and just ride and show him the local network out here, which is nice. awesome. That's just a good feeling when you have a friend you've been friends with for years and years and years, and you've ridden places, and then finally you get to show them your own like home local trails. So yeah, that's always fun. That's and it. then when they like it, that's also fun. Instead of them being like, "Oh, your trails suck." Dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, why did you even take that? They're cool. I didn't give <laughs> nice. him. I didn't give him the full, you know, show of everything. But, the full sampler. Yeah. He's the kind of guy who's like, you just get him on a bike and ride anything. He's like, I'm having a great day. Nice. So <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah, good. we have a nice little setup. 
Yeah, definitely do. All right. Well, let's uh, jump into one of our legitimate show sponsors. And oh. then after that, listener questions. Ultra legitimate sponsor this time. Mm-hmm. Ultra legitimate. We sold out. And now, a word from our sponsors. Ever feel your local trail is lacking some pizzazz? Did you just sprinkle gourmet dirt on that trail? It's Worldwide Cycle Reloam. Turn that sad trail into a rad trail. It's like giving your trail a fab makeover. Who knew a bag of dirt could be a mountain biker's BFF? With this, I might even impress squirrels. Worldwide Cycle Reloam. Because even dirt can have a glow up. And now, back to the show. What are you doing? We're dancing, man. <laughs> Get You're just boring. Come off with these... Is that a real song? Yeah. Yeah, get down on it. Come it's on, like, man. Play that it's kind of like, just beat it. Yeah. It's kind of like that kind of Same song. era. That's Michael yeah. Jackson. Yeah. yeah. Right? Listener questions. <laughs> <laughs> Jump right in. Jump right in. What mountain bike race would the Yeti SB140 be optimized for? I know you can race any bike for any race, yada yada, but when would you choose a 140? Seems like the 160 would be chosen for enduro, and 120 is best for XC, etc. So just wondering when the SB140 would be your chosen steed. Well, well, uh, I don't think Yeti categorizes that. They have two categories, race and rip. Oh, yeah. And the SB140 is in the rip. Oh, yeah. Uh... No, 140 would be good for a lot of... that had to do with 29 and 27.5. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you're on that. But yeah, I mean, the SB140 is a sick bike for probably, honestly, a lot of Enduros that aren't that chunky. Like, a lot of California Enduros. Ashland Enduro, which is, I think, part of that California Enduro, but it's in Oregon. Mm-hmm. 140 would be a sick bike for that terrain. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, a lot of... Probably kinda, a lot of Enduro races that aren't... At gnarly bike park terrain style. Yeah. An SB140 lunch ride would probably do really well at most enduro races. That's not, you know, China Peak or Big Sky and, you know, the proper technical ones. But, yeah. I mean, even then, I was riding it at Whistler Bike Park and (coughs) was handling it, you know. Lunch ride. Lunch ride. So that's what Yeti calls their bikes when they... What do they do? They put usually a longer stroke rear shock No, not anymore. They're all full max. But they put usually a... Bigger shocks, like from a single can to piggyback, usually up the fork 10 mil in travel, and bigger brakes, bigger rotors, and more tires. Didn't they just make an SB120 lunch ride? Yeah, with rock yeah. shocks. Yeah. Yeah, it looks cool. First Yeti with rock shock stock yeah, ever, I think. bumped that to like 140 wow. front. 140 front. Pike, Super Deluxe, Ultimate. And yeah, and then yeah, code, brakes, awesome. code brakes, bigger tires, bigger rotors. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, that's how I was riding my 120. Besides the piggyback rear shock, um, that's how I rode my 120 for a long time, which was awesome. Yeah. Felt really good. And yeah. in the same vein, SB140, Mike was riding it at Downeyville. Yeah. I mean, you could set it up for that, right? Yeah. Like, you could have a DPS on there with some faster tires. Like, Well, when I did get my 120 and Zach had that 140 for a little bit, I was like, yeah, they weigh the same. They weigh the same. But almost. I have a 34 as your 36. That's yeah. all the weight difference. I was like, you can pretty much make this 140 stock with 150 fork as fast as a 120 yeah more travel it's a little bit different right yeah a little more cushion for the pushing different strokes yeah it is pretty cool how customizable bikes are these days it is yeah so when you're only talking a 20 millimeter travel difference you can certainly build one lighter weight and one heavier weight and then it has a pretty different feel totally so So. some downhill tires on sb140 i mean you got a weapon but i do say that a 29er that has 130 or 140 mil travel in the back that's the best one quiver bike totally you can only have one bike and that's what i was going to say that's what you should do like regarding this question too it's like 
if you don't have the luxury of choosing, right? Like yeah. this could, that would be a great bike to just do it all and like, you know, pick yeah. a race and do it and Swap just change your tires, tires yeah. you know, yeah. set up your bike for it and then go, go run it. Yeah. That's one of those questions to me. It's if, you know, if you had to have, which is, I hate answering this question, but if you had to have one bike for the rest of your life, what would it be? <laughs> it's like, well, it would certainly be something that had 29 inch wheels and 130 or 140 mil travel. Yeah. And I don't want to live in a world where I have to yeah, have one bike. Yeah. That's ridiculous. For the rest and of those, my life. Qu- that que- those questions are, they're, they're, you China. know, I, I try to and not I, get offended by most things, but I'm offended by that question. Think, you want one thing for the rest of your life, get married, and then buy all the bikes you want. Get these questions coming on. Jeff, which bike would you have one bike for the rest of your life? Yeah, it's well, it's better than, it's not as bad as a question like, well, would you rather have an XC bike on a downhill track or a downhill bike on an XC track? Like, what? what? Come on. Uh, Next question. Um, yeah. yeah. Go. Music on rides. I don't because I want to hear nature and wind and my bike, but some dudes carry a huge Bluetooth speaker blaring <laughs> Blink-182. <laughs> What's your take? Yeah. Um, I feel the same. I don't want to listen to music. Well, unless it's like a gravel or road ride. I prefer music then. Just uh, like in headphones of, or a Bluetooth oh, speaker? Oh, in headphones. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to speaker it out. You know? I never have ridden with a Bluetooth speaker ever. But I do ride with headphones quite a lot on just like my morning rides, whether like an hour or two. Mountain bike? Yeah, by myself. Um, Which headphones? I don't know. Some Skull Candies that I buy every eight months because they always crack out. Just like little earbuds? Yeah, little earbuds. I usually ride with one. Just just the right one. Mm -hmm. Those ones that you Um, showed me or like that Joe had, the ones that go... Skulls or something? They go Uh, so you can still hear people talk. Yeah. Yeah. They don't go in the ear canal. They're bone conducting. Those are cool. I wanted to try those. But they're triple the price of the skull candy. So, oh. yeah, yeah, and there they're they're a little bit bigger, right? Where like my skull candies are just one little earbud, and and I run the skull candies on my AirPods because if I lose them, I don't care. Yeah, or if they they always die out after like eight months, sweat might mess them up. But yeah, I do that. What's well, we know what Jared listens to on his rides a lot. <laughs> do you wear headphones? No, never. never? No, never. Even I just, solo I just think long that rides or long runs? Never. Uh, never, ever. Never, ever. During activities? Ever. Music? Never. Wow. Because I just, I'm constantly, I just, I just think that the input of noise and screens, like we're, we're so, we're always listening to something, reading something, looking at something. It's just constant. And so for me to, to exercise on a bike or on foot is therapeutic to just get away from that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think we all have this weird, subtle addiction to like oh i need to be listening to music or a podcast or looking at my phone when i stop or taking a picture i'm like i just want to get rid of all that stuff and and i find it very therapeutic and i and i think that it is my theory is i believe that it's like good for the human brain to sort of detox from sound and just listen to the sound of the world around you yeah yeah so i do that on like big rides you know if i'm doing a solo five eight hour ride no headphones just you know in the nature but i'm just doing an hour it's more like you know my morning kind of jam. Mm-hmm. I like I like some some music, but I'll say a Bluetooth speaker has its place. Like if you're cruising around town, you know, going to a couple bars, like maybe you got a whole bike gang with you. Yeah. Throw a Bluetooth speaker on and blast yeah. your Blink One Eighty Two. You know, or, well, this is the the mountain bike podcast, not the bar crawl bike <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we should start one of those. <laughs> the bar crawl bike podcast. Welcome to the bar crawl podcast. Where we give you tips about how to bar crawl <laughs> more hardcore. Jared and I have sweet bar bikes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, that's true. It's true. Yeah, can't really have. You can never have a. You know, too many good bar bikes. No, I thought you sold yours. Oh no, I gave it. Well, I have the Cannondale. Let's uh, whatever. I gave that one back to Rob. 
Yeah. I kind of put all that sick stuff on it and gave it back to him because oh, it was wow. his originally, but. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Oh, well. Whatever you, whatever you do with music, be safe and smart because yeah. you just really don't want to be one of those people that runs into someone or gets ran into because you're wearing headphones out on, you know, yeah, the bi-directional trail. trails. Like, yeah. just don't do that. Yeah. The worst is when you come up behind somebody and yeah, they have hey. headphones in and I'm, yep. you're yelling at them, totally. ringing the bell and they don't hear you. And it's mm-hmm. like, dude, come on. Yep. And then you just got to go around and be like, oh, and it's like, that was yeah, your and then, fault. And then they freak out and get mad at you because yeah. you startled them and it's entirely fault. their fault. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Next question. Uh, Maybe you want to read that one? What is the best rim tape for carbon wheels? I struggled with some brands, does not stick to the rim. And so I'm wondering if I am the problem. Big fan of the podcast. <laughs> Um, I'm the problem. Ha ha. Yeah. Problem. Uh-huh. <laughs> maybe maybe a little bit of both. Um, well, in order to install rim tape, you have to really use some alcohol and get any residue, especially tire sealant, off of that. Um, I'm a big fan of the. Uh, did they rebrand it? Hang on, they might have rebranded it. It's the DT Swiss one. No, I, that is really good as well, but it's quite expensive, especially for shop use. Is it still whiskey tape or is it Terraville now? The best rim tape is taking the time to do the cleaning and preparation of the rim. Yeah. But no, this, so they rebranded it. It's Terravale rim tape now. It is on our website. Um, it's oh, yeah, this that stuff is good. Very thin, but durable, and it's yellow, and you can kind of see through. So you can like see it, and um, it sticks really well to the rim, and it complies really well. So it's not too thick where like it doesn't comply to any. Mm-hmm any kind of, you know, rim profile, but it's also not too thin where you have to like use two or three layers. It's just in perfect. I just overlap it over the valve and I've, that's what I buy for the shop and that's what I like to use on my wheels. So. And available in a whole bunch of different widths. Widths and like roll sizes. So I can get like a shop roll that's like, you know, a bunch of it. Um, yeah, that is that's for the shop. The DT Swiss stuff is my second favorite. Uh, it's just about two or three times the price so yeah nice <laughs> for shop use not doesn't work out price wise but for home use if you're just you know taping up a wheel once or twice a year dt swiss is also really good yeah i saw a tip somebody said they use a little hot wheels car to go around the rim <laughs> to make sure that it sticks when uh-huh. they're putting rim tape on i like, i just they go like this with the car on the thing and i just like pull it yeah and as i pull it tight and then i get a clean rag like a brand new like towel yeah and then i as i as i do that section like that quarter i then run the towel over it and kind of have it conform and do that and then i do the next section and then i run the towel so nice yeah i do that too and that's probably why i do it because you probably told me to do that (laughs) (laughs) nice next one awesome my daughter races Pennsylvania Nika cross country and races a Scott scale with 100 mil travel. Outside of adding a dropper, we've kept her bike factory. She also races enduro on a stump jumper. She races for the fire team, which you sponsor. Thank you. She's going to in a sophomore year of Nika racing. She's been working on skills and endurance, but once school starts, she'll have less time uh, to have a skill session and endurance session. Which do you recommend she focus on during the season skills or endurance? If both, how would you recommend she splits the time between the two? Um, looking to understand which will provide more impact on her current year racing results. Also, can you recommend XC tires for her? She's 100 pounds. Should front and back be the same? Well, personally, if she's racing both XC and Enduro, during the winter, I'd probably keep skills and endurance pretty even. Like, 
Got to yeah. have them both. Got to have them both. Yeah. And then once you start getting close to the season, like racing, especially enduro, um, well, actually, especially XC, you can probably back off the skills to like one day a week and then do mostly endurance because that will be better for XC. But if you're doing enduro, I'd probably keep them both pretty even, skills and endurance. I would also say just where she feels confident or not. Mm-hmm. That like as well. If she feels really confident in her aerobic capacity and how she competes there and, you know, not confident when it comes to skills and things like that, then favor the area, yeah. the weak areas. There you go. But yeah. don't neglect either one. You yeah. still have to do both regardless. I know when I'm yeah. training hard for like, you know, any endurance event, I spend most of the time on like XC or gravel bike, but I make sure I throw in like one good proper XC downhill day or like a trail bike day in there just to keep the downhill skills sharp. Yeah. Because you can like, feel really off after like three weeks of not riding yeah like downhill trails for sure so and, and then xc tires which yeah. is 100 pounds i mean it's really hard to go wrong with some maxis aspens recon racer icons um does not have to be the same front and the back same brand duh but uh <laughs> <laughs> um yeah any of those aspens would be fastest then recon race then icons icons will have the most traction that's typically what i run uh, I'd rather have more traction than slide on my face. So, yeah. Yep. Agreed. And for context, NICA, N I C A, the National Interscholastic Cycling Association. Uh, intergalactic. 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 That is an awesome nonprofit organization that. <laughs> Jerry can't stop laughing. Louis dying. Louis can't stop. NICA is an incredible nonprofit organization that is making uh, mountain bike racing and mountain biking an accredited sport in middle schools and high schools all over the United States um, with over 25,000 kids participating. Um, it's an organization that we support a lot because we really care and believe in what they're doing. So Go just NICA. for context, so people don't know what NICA is because yeah. not, not everyone has kids in high school or deep in the mountain bike industry and know about NICA. Yeah. So Sweet. Deep. Next mm-hmm, question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Next question. Have y'all experimented with handlebar sleep to eliminate hand pain? Is this something usually specific to each person? <laughs> Why'd you read that? <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> I said you all, so I said y'all, and then um, it kind of went from there. I've done a little bit of it, but I found that I prefer my bike handling a certain way more than like hand pain. And I don't get hand pain, but like messing with sweep will mess with my handling and like mm-hmm. stem length and everything. So I kind of stick to one, which I prefer to put the handling aspect first, not the yeah. hand pain. On that topic in order to not, cause yeah, changing your handlebar sweep, especially an abnormal amount can mess with the handling of the bike a lot in an adverse way. But hand pain, uh, in my experience, a lot of people experiment with different grips, mm-hmm. either with more cushioning or, if you really want to go down that rabbit hole, Ergon has got grips with little wings on them, and they've done a lot of things over the years to make all these different types of grips that have really helped people with different types of specific hand pain. And grips is usually where people start, and it's easier to experiment with and not mess up the handling of your bike by just changing your grips out. Yep. So if you have hand pain, do some Googling, look at Ergon, read a lot of their documentation. Um, yeah, they have some really and interesting grips. Also, break position brake lever position mm. yeah have a lot mm-hmm. to do with that i was actually just talking to a guy because he ran his brake levers really far in like way far in from his grips hmm. like, 
And he said it's because he likes to ride like this, and he kind of cuts his bars down a touch, and he rides like that, and is with it. I'm for anyone listening, your hands are like pointed in almost like at a forty-five, so his brake levers are way in, and oh, that weird. he said is more natural bend for his wrists, and he elim- eliminated his arm hand pain and arm pump. So, hmm. well, another thing I learned from you was just having your levers closer to the bar and having a more um, sensitive contact. Yeah. Like when we were riding in Italy, Phil's brakes were like so far from his bars. Yeah, he could like barely stand like, my hands hurt so far. Yeah. So bad on these downhills. And I was like, you should bring your levers closer. Mm-hmm. That's what Jeff t- uh, taught me. And it helps my hand pain a lot. And he's like, oh my God. Like he tried it. And he's like, this is so much better. Yeah. Yeah. It's you like, kind of want your hand in a comfortable position. You don't want to be overextending yeah. your finger forward or to the side right. or either direction. And it also, yeah, like, you know, affects the rest of your hand when you're doing that. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Especially on big, long downhills. Yeah. Totally. Mm hmm. Sweet. Next question. Fox 34 rhythm with spacers versus Fox 36 factory. I'm 180 pounds on a stump jumper comp alloy when riding fast flow trails into techie chunks, bottoming out the 34 with full open compression, but find that mid firm compression is too responsive everywhere else. Thoughts? I've been watering. <laughs> I've been waterboarding myself with your podcast via Spotify. <laughs> Huge thanks to all the great info and entertainment. Keep up the good work. It's a tough um, one. Well, I mean, it is and it isn't. Yeah, I mean, Fox 36 Factory is the nicest fork Fox makes right. with the most adjustments. So that's obviously going to win over a 34 rhythm, which is step down in stanchion diameter and in like two steps down in quality. Yeah, um, true. That being said, I'm not sure, but if you wanted to go the more affordable route, you might be able to get a damper upgrade for that 34 rhythm. Maybe. I'm not 100% sure if they do that or not. Mm. Um, but to split the middle, a Fox 36 performance performance or performance elite is a great option Yeah, where you get both all the adjustment of the grip to damper on the performance elite version. And you can still mess with your volume spacers. Yeah. Also, that's what I was going to say. Even more budget friendly is maybe try a volume spacer too. And I said Fox 34 rhythm with spacers. I thought for, uh, I'm assuming that's volume spacers. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I feel like somewhere he said he wasn't running any at the moment. But, no compression. Um, full okay. open compression. There because that rhythm is only like open or close. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, 36 would be a big upgrade. Yeah. Definitely. Especially if you're bottom out to 34 a bunch. Yep. But yeah, always nice to just try some volume spacers before you go upgrading your fork. Yeah, Absolutely. Because, for those that don't know, volume spacers make the fork more progressive to help you prevent you from bottoming out as easily. Progressive means more supple off the top and then slowly ramps up progressively towards the end. It gets stiffer. gets stiffer. Just in case people weren't clear. You never know. You never know. You really don't. But in this gentleman's case, I think a 36 would be an epic upgrade. It would be epic, especially. It would be a big upgrade. Because not, not, I mean, if he's bottoming out the 34. Um, yeah, and he's on a stump jumper. Not only would a 36 just be a lot more adjustable and better for gnarlier trails, but it would just be a lot stiffer too. Yep. So he's riding faster and faster. That's that's, what I was, that's important and useful. You know, that's what I was thinking too. You know, if you're going to do it, if you're even thinking about it, just send it. That's <laughs> <laughs> Jared's words of wisdom. Yeah. That's your segment. You know, if you're even thinking about it, just send it. If it's going to keep so you up at night, just do it. He's been doing with all those deals. Yeah. <laughs> no, see, that's that is actually it. If I if I leave it alone and don't get the thing and it doesn't bother me, then I know I don't need it. Mm. <laughs> right? 
I feel like it's a pretty good. You know, the mind of the American consumer. <laughs> <laughs> An economic and psychological study on the human brain. <laughs> All right. Take this information. All right. Hit the next one. Hey, hey, especially Bean. Is it okay to apply <laughs> chamois butter even while not riding? Um, so I wasn't sure exactly what he was talking about with this. Like <laughs> if you just generally wanted to use chamois butter like in day-to-day life. Um, but from a from a fellow chamois butter user, I have the ghost stick, which I actually use sometimes when I run. Yeah. Like on my thighs. Yeah, and to like prevent upper chafing. Thigh to prevent chafing, yeah. Um, when I was riding a lot and probably not really used to riding that much, I get some saddle sores every once in a while. And I would use uh, D's Nuts, which is a brand of chamois, you know, butter for the chamois mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it. Chamois butter is also the like name anti-shafe. brand. Anti-shafe. Yeah, anti-shafing lotion, cream. I guess, cream. Cream. So D's Nuts is what I was using a lot then, and it has tea tree oil, which helps heal wounds. So sometimes I would use it while not riding to put on the nasty saddle sore, mm-hmm. which is gross. Yeah, gross. I did that with, I like gurney goo, um, but it's also, I think it has similar ingredients. It's yeah. like really natural stuff and tea mm-hmm. tree oil and yeah, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. So there that's when I would use it while not riding. Uh, I've gotten some weird looks applying some uh, anti-shafing lotion, <laughs> yeah, you know, six hours into a eight, nine hour ride. And they're like, why are you reaching down there? I'm like, it hurts either way. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this makes me a little more comfortable, you know. Why are you looking at me reaching down there? <laughs> Anti-shift cream is definitely useful. Um, I will cream. say another thing in, in case this is related to um, maybe after your ride, the following days, if you're trying to heal those sores, Aquaphor yeah. works amazing. Oh, it's yeah. a skin healing ointment. That's the best. Downside is it is pretty greasy. So yeah, whatever Gre- boxers and or maybe... Grease. Whatever boxers and or pants you're wearing, they may be stained from yeah, before. Yeah, so yeah. put it on and put your sweatpants on or something. I don't know. There you go. Or nothing. There you go. Liam, you want to read this next one? Yeah. Hey, guys. Could you talk more about your beef with Sramano setups? I'm running an SLX cassette chain and cranks with an Axis derailleur. Installation was simple. And it shifts perfectly. Seems like an Axis derailleur paired with Shimano cassette chain lets you have both electronic shifting and smoother shifting of Hyperglide Plus. And if you're starting an Axis build from scratch, you save money by, say, a $105 SLX cassette versus a 231GX cassette. Just curious, since I've heard you guys mention you don't like Shimano a few times, what am I missing? Um, I mean, I know people have had that set up and it works really well for them. And Jared's tried it as well. I'm just a big fan of trying to use all of the same drivetrain parts. There's a lot of engineers and people working on that and testing them so that they work perfectly with the parts that they're created around. Yeah. That's kind of all it is. And I'm just not a huge fan of Shimano parts on my bike. There's nothing wrong with them. They all work good. But as far as bike industry uh, side of things goes, I lean SRAM and their family for how they support the bike industry. Yeah. I didn't have as good of an experience because I was the other way around. I had an XTR shifter and cassette, or no, excuse me, shifter and derailleur with a SRAM X01 cassette and chain and all that. So that's probably a huge portion of why mine didn't work Mm -hmm. as well. Um, But yeah, like, you know, we're just kind of being cheeky a lot of the time, you know, right? Like we're, we like to, yeah. Yeah. I I also think. Just like you have to run the same brand tires. You don't have to. We're just (laughs) being, you know. Bike snobbery. Yeah, snobbery. I think what's, what is one of my sort of beefs with this stuff is that 
this is hard to figure out and it's confusing for consumers. It sounds like he's figured out a nice combo with the access stuff with that particular Shimano cassette and chain paired mm -hmm. with it. It all seems to work. A lot of people don't know. So they'll they'll buy a Shimano chain, but a SRAM cassette on that same setup won't work or do what you just did. The yeah. other yeah. The, the other direction around. Like there there's no there's no specific it's just hard to figure out. And it's already hard enough to figure out what fits your bike and what to upgrade and what to put on there. So when you start mix matching brands, um, it just gets a lot more confusing and complicated for for people to yeah. figure out. I'm more a fan of mix matching like within SRAM's family, but like let's say GX cassette with an XO, or no, GX derailleur, XO cassette, mm -hmm. XX1 or XX chain now. Mm -hmm. um, and let's just say, a you know, GX or XO crank. That way you get the really nice chain, which performs well and lasts the longest. Mm -hmm. uh, a good machine cassette, which works well and lasts long. And then your derailleur that's you're going to bash on rocks right. is the cheaper one. And you don't feel as bad bashing a GX derailleur. Versus, you know, yeah. something that's quite expensive. For yeah. sure. It's a good point. So, yeah. I, I like mix match in that way, but within the same brand family. Mm -hmm. There you go. Well, J Rad, we got time for either this last question or notes from the past. Last question. I think we can do this real quick. Um, any tips to prolong the life of bike parts? For example, I have three chains and rotate them after 150 to 200 kilometers, 93 to 125 miles. And I replace three chains before they wear out using the park tool chain checker. I have prolonged my cassette and chain ring in the process. That's the tip. Great that, job, that guy. Is, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that is, is one of the extremely good uh, for you to do. And most people don't yeah. take the time beyond to do that, that wild, with yeah. drive chains, keeping them really clean, uh, with good chain lube mm -hmm. is, Another great way to prolong them, having them dirty and gunky is a great way to make them not last long at all. Mm -hmm. um, another little tip, kind of a tip that I try to do sometimes is if you're running the same tires front and rear on a bike to obviously you start with brand new tires, but most time your rear tire wears out before your front. I buy one of that tire, put the new one on the front put the semi-used one from the front on the rear. Yeah. And that way you're only buying one tire and you're getting way more life out of them. Tire rotation trick. Well, yeah. tire rotation trick. If you so, want to get even crazier, stuff. you can have multiple sets of wheels and you can rotate those in and out too. <laughs> well, I do that as well. But. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Sweet. Those are some good tips. Yeah. How about notes from episodes past? Push up your glasses up your nose because it's time for a little, well, actually, I think the Jumbo Fisma used the adjustable tire dealio in the Paris-Roubaix, not the Tour de France. That's because the race is 160 miles long and has 60 miles to go before it hits any cobble sections. Was that from last episode? Was that the maybe the last time, time you were on there where we talked about the adjustable tire pressure maybe. things on bikes? Yeah. How those guys were using it in that race. Yeah. Two, I think Walt Van Aert and Christophe Laporte used it in Paris-Roubaix. Uh, this year, uh, it's basically a hub which holds air that you can electronically tell it to push air into the tire or pull air out of the tire. So on Wilson. On wow, wow, yeah, wow, wow. Because uh, yeah, that race is super unique, and the cobbles are no joke. On TV, they don't look that crazy, but they are like running over curbs. It's gnarly. Yeah, on road bikes. That's so lowering your tire pressure can be huge, but like this says, you have 60 miles to go before you hit any and like 10 to 20 mile sections between cobbles as well. So if you can drop them for the cobbles and air them up for the beginning or the sprint, which mm -hmm. is actually probably most important to air them up in the velodrome while you're sprinting for the win. Wow. That could be good. Unfortunately, wow. pretty sure 
all the riders with those wheels flatted at this year's Perry Bay. <laughs> <laughs> so the technology is new and has a ways to go to Dang. be fully competitive. But they did try it, which was cool. Team DSM also had a system, I think a different brand, but wow. they are also running that. Is it like a compressor or is it a charge? I think canister? somebody here knows something about road bikes. Right? <laughs> hmm, nerd. Is it, yeah, is it like a compressor in there or is it just like a charged canister that they just fill up and then it's like um, It's a charged canister that basically I think there's probably a small way that it can only go back and forth a certain amount of times. Yeah, I'm sure a compressor would be too much. Right? Um, so it's not a full compressor, but it does yeah. weigh quite a bit more. So that was the skepticism about running it at all. Right. So, yeah. Will the pros and cons yep. outweigh each other? Yeah. Well, I think that's it, huh? That's that is it. it. That is all. Thank you very much for listening this far and massive massive thank you to every one of you that uh, shop with us. We appreciate it and it helps support our business and helps us support making cool mountain bike content that a lot of people enjoy. Thank you and it would mean the world to us if you would leave a review for this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you type that up, take a little screenshot and send it over to podcast at worldwidecyclery.com. Jared will give you a gift in return a gift if you say how much you love liam that that sounds very shady it's like do this for a free gift (laughs) shipping and handling not including shipping and handling yeah it's like yeah (laughs) (laughs) what do we give people what Uh, a $15 gift card to the worldwide cycle website to use on any product that you buy if you say you love liam it will be $16 which is basically half price off of a pair of grips or a chain or some brake pads or things like that maybe even a little bottle of chain lube or maybe it's a uh, 25% off with inflation. Well, it's $15. Yeah, yeah. It's a dollar amount of code, not a percentage. No, but it would be like $15 is now, oh, yes. is now only a 25% discount code yeah. on a pair of grips. Yeah. Actually, grips haven't really changed in price in no. 30 years. Yeah, so. It'll get you about a gallon of milk at the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> you buy milk? No, I don't actually yeah. oat milk. No. <laughs> Maybe pound of ground beef, chicken, whatever you want. That being said, thank you very much. We appreciate it. See you guys next time. Love you.